and we ask that you would be honored in our midst. Father, I pray for the physical strength and wherewithal to preach your word faithfully to you, to be an instrument of blessing to your children. And so teach us and grow us. And Father, I pray that you would use this message in a great way in each of our lives. Now just bless as only you can bless. We pray in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. Aloha. I'm Scott Poling, your newest missionary to the Hawaiian Islands. I'm looking for 100 individuals who will go and plant a church with me in paradise. Do I have any takers? Woohoo! All over the place. And uh, it will be called Harvest New Beginnings Hawaii. We already have a, a new logo, everything. It is set to go, okay? And I've even found a place that's this adorable little green church uh, on the island of Kauai, a few miles from the Nepali coast. And, and what a great place to suffer for Jesus. Are you up for that? Okay. Uh, Carla and I did have a wonderful, wonderful time. We got away for our 25th wedding anniversary, and uh, this is us at a luau. We, we just had a great, great time. And some of you may be saying, yeah, I want to know how a pastor can afford to go to Hawaii for two weeks. Well, you know that special offering for the land we took a few weeks back? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, okay? You need to understand, five months ago, I went to a pastor's conference, and there were only nine of us. It was a special conference down in Missouri, and uh, we concluded our four days, and the guy who put it on came up to us as a group after the conference, and he said, man, I have a, a wealthy Christian, Christian businessman in my church who would like to give all of you a very substantial gift to take all of your wives away on a, on a special vacation. I fought and I resisted, but, they, but they, they won me over. And the amazing thing is the goodness of God that fell over our 25th wedding anniversary. So the Lord knew, and it was, it was great. Hawaii is a very special place. We saw whales, and we saw sea turtles, and waterfalls, and, and rainbows up in the mountains, and rainbows over lava fields, and sunrises. This is at uh, Mount Haleakala, a 10,000-foot dormant volcano, and a sunset between palm trees and vistas and views like, like very few places in the world. Uh, we saw sunsets and, uh, and vistas and views. This is the Nepali coast. I went for a trail run along this, this place. It is the most spectacular trail runs I've ever done. And it's uh, one of the most 10 most uh, dangerous hiking um, trails in the world. It's a 22-mile hike. But see, if you run it, it's not near as dangerous. And so I, I just had a, I had a blast just running that, getting away. And you come out on this beach, uh, the Kalalau Beach. That is a picture of the beach I ran onto. And there's no access any other way but by this trail or by ocean. And, uh, and I was able to refill my water bottle straight from a waterfall and just drink right off the land. Just, just incredible. And uh, Hawaii is a very special place. But it's not just the place. It's the people that make it special. There, there really is a spirit of cordiality, a spirit of friendliness, a, a spirit that is just so relaxed. And uh, I even found a hat made perfectly for me slow down, this ain't the mainland. And, uh, but the spirit of cordiality, the spirit of friendliness is the spirit of aloha. And it's much more than a greeting. Uh, it, it is a way of life. It is a mindset. It is an attitude. And I saw a great ex explanation of this at the airport, uh, alliterated. Uh, the first letter stands for the word akahahi, and uh, it's kindness expressed with tenderness. 
and lokahi, which is unity expressed with harmony, and ulu, olu, olu, yeah, my Hawaiian's real good, is uh, agreeable expressed with pleasantness, and ha'a, ha'a, which is humility expressed with modesty, and then uh, ahanui, which is patience expressed with perseverance. Aloha, in many ways, exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, in many ways. And today, we're going to see a group of men who had that aloha spirit. They weren't on the island of Hawaii, uh, but they were in the land of Palestine. And you can't find them in a brochure, but you find them in the Bible. And so I want you to take your Bibles, and I want you to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 17. And, and we're going to see these guys with the aloha spirit. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Verse 17, read along as I read in Luke chapter 5. One day he, that is Jesus, was teaching. And there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, from all Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in to set him down in front of him, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and let him down through the tiles with a stretcher, or with his stretcher, into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. An aloha spirit. What is it? Number one is this. It comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye. Say that with me. It comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye. Some of us here today, I dare say, are lacking an aloha spirit. We haven't come in with a receptive heart. Maybe that'll change during this message. But you've come in with a critical eye. You've already criticized how somebody dressed. You've come in with a critical ear. You've already criticized a song or a musician. You've come in with a critical heart. You've already criticized people. They weren't friendly, or they weren't helpful, or they didn't know, or they didn't have what you needed. You've come into this place maybe with a critical mind. You've already criticized the message, how I'm dressed, or how using too many pictures, or something else. God wants us to enter into his house with a heart of receptivity. Not a critical eye, not a critical ear, not a critical mouth. Not a critical mind, not a critical heart. And so what I would ask you to do right now is confess your sin to God. And ask him to forgive you. And ask him to change you. And ask him to open up your heart to what he would have you learn today. And don't let your sin stand in the way of what God really does want to teach you. One day, it says in verse 17, Jesus was teaching. Even Jesus was criticized. He's the perfect teacher. I mean, no one taught like Jesus taught. The purest of wisdom and insight like never heard before. I mean, power from on high, undeniable authority. And, and we read in Matthew 7, a parallel passage, that the crowds were amazed at his teaching. He taught them as one having authority, not as the scribes. And so when Jesus taught, you, you pulled up a seat and you got as close as possible and you listened intently and you took it all in and you drank from this ever-flowing river of eternal wisdom. That is the teaching of Jesus. But, you know, every class has its troublemakers. 
And the Pharisees are there. And uh, the teachers of the law are sitting there. And they've come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. These are the religious experts. They are the know-it-alls. And they've come in with critical ears and critical eyes and critical hearts. The Pharisees are the guardians of the Mosaic law. They've burdened people with extra rules and regulations. And it's all about the external for them. How you act on the outside, how you look on the outside, what you do on the outside. And they've missed the heart. They don't have receptive hearts. It's all about criticizing what they see and what they hear. You have the teachers of the law. These are the scribes. These are these religious lawyers. These are the ones that, that are the legal counselors and record the religious traditions so that everybody gets it right. The place is crawling with religious cockroaches. They've come as far away as Jerusalem to to listen to this rebel teacher. And uh, they haven't come with the right hearts. They've come there to investigate the Lord Jesus. Now they're in for a surprise, these troublemakers, because we're told here that the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. So, so this is a special day for the class. This is more special than a field trip. This is more special than a field day. This is a day of power. They are going to see and experience something like never before. Jesus is going to give them a report to take home. That's what he's going to do. An aloha spirit comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye. An aloha spirit, secondly, gets creative and makes it happen. Say that with me. Gets creative and makes it happen. Look at verse 18. Some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they're trying to bring him in and set him down before him, in front of Jesus. They're not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. They go up on the roof. They let him down through the tiles and a stretcher and into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. So here come the aloha four. This is them. You ready? That's them. Right there. Okay, that's enough. This is a special group of guys. All right? And and they're bringing in, carrying in this paralyzed man. He's lying on a bed. He's lying on a stretcher. Okay? Some kind of pallet. And and he's either para or quadriplegic. He he can't use his legs. And paralyzed in that day is a little different from our day. There was no IDA, Israel Life with Disabilities Act. Okay, it's not that. All right, there, there's no paved surfaces, no motorized vehicles. They are 100% dependent on everybody else. They say, may say, well, my Bible says some men. Where do you see four men? Again, a parallel passage in chapter 2, verse 3 tells us that there were four men who were carrying them. And this is not an easy task. That's hard work. Carrying a guy on a stretcher, it's awkward, it's laborious, your, your one arm gets really tired, you want to change arms and switch, and your feet are kind of off balance as you're doing it, but they don't ever give up. Their goal is to set him down in front of Jesus. Listen carefully. These are true friends. True friends bring their friends to Jesus. True friends bring their friends to Jesus. True friends get their friends as close as possible to Jesus. Are you a true friend? Are you a true friend? Are the people in your life, are you influenced by God to use by God to draw them as close as possible to Jesus? 
That's what makes a true friend. See, an aloha friend will invite them and bring them and carry them and pick them up for church if need be. They'll team up with others. They'll gang up with others to get somebody to Jesus if that's what it takes. They're too kind not to care, and they're going to persevere. And they run into a problem because it's harder to get some people to Jesus than others, is it not? Sometimes it's hard to bring people to the Lord and not finding any way to bring them in because of the crowd. I want you to notice here, they're a little late to class. Uh, The religious leaders have taken all the best seats, and they're not about to give up their spots. They won't even stop for a Samaritan, let alone go out of their way for a cripple. The place is crowded. Jesus is the hottest ticket in town, and there's no scalpers at the door. Everyone wanted to see Jesus. Everybody wanted to hear Jesus. And, And I want you to notice, their response was not, sorry, Joe, we tried. You know, next time we'll get here a little bit earlier. Next time Jesus swings through town, we'll, we'll, we'll give it another go. I want you to notice this. There's never any excuses. There's only effort. When it comes to bringing people to Jesus, stop making excuses and give more effort. Stop making excuses and exert more effort. You, you've got friends that you need to reach for Christ. You've got co-workers you need to reach for Christ. You have relatives you need to reach for Christ. You have classmates you need to reach for Christ. You have teammates you need to reach for Christ. Stop making excuses and start exerting more effort. They get creative and they are persistent. And, and, and instead of looking down in despair, they look up. I mean, some people see a problem for every solution. Other people see a solution for every problem. They're the latter. Be the latter. Now, the Jewish home, the typical Jewish home, if this was a typical Jewish home, had two stories. And the roof served as the second story. And there would be steps leading up to the roof that were usually open, and the roof would usually be flat and be six feet off the ground. And there would be wood beams across, supported by mud or stone walls, and these wood beams would be covered with reeds and then covered with a few inches of clay. And, uh, and, and I want you to understand this. They can't get them in the door. They can't get them in a window, so they're going to go up. There are numerous entry points to get people to Jesus. There are windows of opportunities, and, and there are open doors to share. But I'll tell you one thing. If you've got to put a hole in the roof, do it. And that's what they're going to do. Parallel passage in Mark 2 again says they're unable to get him up because of the crowd, so they removed the roof above him, and when they had dug an opening, they're digging in this guy's roof to let him down the pallet and the paralytic was lying on. So they are going to find a way. This was not the original plan. No one came expecting to do demolition job that day. They came to bring their friend to Jesus. Sometimes you got to make it up as you go. Sometimes you need to try something new. Some people are so stuck in doing it as they've always done it. You got to flex a little bit. You got to mix it up. You've got to exert some energy. You got to be willing to get sweaty and get dirty and dig a hole somewhere where you never thought you'd be digging a hole because friends are worth the effort. You can't go through the door and make a hole in the roof. Boy, was it Windy Friday or was it Windy Friday? Here's a picture of Angel on my roof. Now, he's not a real angel. 
uh, but his name is Angel from A&R Roofing. You know what you got to be? You got to be an angel on the roof. That's what you need to be. And not there to repair it, but to rip a hole in the roof. An aloha spirit is a spirit of creative perseverance. For some of you here this morning, listen carefully. It's about time you rip some holes in roofs. It's about time you did something different. It's about time you got creative. It's about time you brainstormed and put in some sweat equity and got down on your knees in prayer and said, God, give me souls. God, how can I lead my neighbor to Christ? God, how can I lead this classmate to Christ? God, how can I bring my coworker to church? God, help me. Break me out of my, my, my lethargic attitude. God, help me to be creative. I mean, think about the effort these guys put in. They've carried them some distance, and they've hauled them upstairs, and they're digging into this roof and removing tiles and clay sections, and somehow they're rigging up his pallet, his bed, to lower it before Jesus. And you know what I love about these guys? They didn't care about the whiners or complainers. Some of you, as soon as somebody says something negative, you stop talking. You want to post a verse on social media and you get criticized. I'm never posting a verse again. Oh, big, bad, tough Christian you are. They don't care about the whiners and the criticisms of others. There's dust going everywhere. There's dirt going everywhere. They're cutting the line. They're interrupting the teacher. You know what? Leading people to Jesus is worth the criticism you might face. Leading people to Jesus and bringing people to Jesus is worth any criticism that you might face. You know what some of you need to do is just start with a simple invite. The power of an invite. Marty Thayer's funeral is today, one of our former deacons and ABF leaders. Do you realize he came to faith as an eight-year-old boy when a neighbor invited the family to Sunday school? The entire family came to faith because of a neighbor that invited him and his sister to Sunday school. We're going to have a couple baptized next service, Doug and Amy Collins. Their daughter was invited to youth group by the Thatcher's child here at church. They came, they got saved, they're getting baptized today. Just a simple invite. For some of you, you just need to start inviting people to church. I mean, never doubt it. You know, we got this, you'll love my church Sunday. I mean, I'm going to have a special message on what makes this place special and what does God want in a church. And some of you have been talking to people about Harvest. Bring them out. Pick them up. Draw them in. Some of you know people looking for a church. Bring them out. Invite them out. You've been witnessing to somebody about the Lord. Tell them you got to come out. Pick up one of those shirts. I love my church shirt. Six bucks. Where can you buy a t-shirt for six bucks? Man, I was even thinking about buying a bunch of them and selling them for profit, but I won't do that. (laughs) That's crazy. But it's a great conversation starter is what it is. You may say, well, it's just about attendance at church. No, it's not just about attendance at church. Do not miss it. This is a place where people will hear the gospel. This is a place where they will be given an opportunity to respond to Jesus Christ. There are a lot of good churches out there. They don't even do that. You won't even hear the gospel during a message. You won't have an opportunity for unsaved people to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. You know what delights my heart? 
just about more than anything is when I come in on Tuesday mornings and I see one of these cards or a stack of these cards on my desk. Some of you wonder at the end of the service what happens. We have people that turn them in and then we follow up and not only do they receive Christ, some of them renew their commitment to Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about here. We are here to see people come to Jesus Christ. Get people as close to Jesus as possible. These guys never gave up. Look at this. Into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. So they calculate perfectly. They set him down right in front of Jesus. Yeah, they cut the line. So what? Now the man lays right in front of Jesus. He's alone. Without his friends. They're looking through the hole in the roof with big smiles. Giving them the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> there he is right there in front of the teacher. An aloha spirit. You got to love it. It comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye. And it gets creative and makes things happen. And an aloha spirit, number three, embraces the friendship and forgiveness of God. Say it with me. Embraces the friendship and forgiveness of God. Look at verse 20. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who's this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and what? Go home. You got to love the Lord's attitude. Put this in perspective. Think of this as a church service. People are getting dust on their, all over their hair and their clothes as some guy's cutting a hole in the ceiling. All right? And then some dude is being lowered, rigged up with ropes or strings and something. He's coming down in the middle of this service. Jesus' sermon is being interrupted. I don't like my sermon interrupted. I mean, think about this. This is in the middle of the sermon and someone is coming in late while the guy's preaching. That would never happen during my messages. And not only do they come in late, they walk right down the middle and sit on the what? Front row. And what does Jesus do? Excuse me, sir, why don't you set your alarm a little bit earlier? No, not at all. No criticism whatsoever from the Lord. You should have gotten here earlier. Hey, what's the big deal? You, you know, you could have at least waited for the offering, bud. Nothing. No criticism. Because Jesus sees the faith, not the mess. Don't you love that about the Lord in our own lives? He sees the faith, not the mess. Some of you have made such a mess. You know, what's, you know what stands out to God is not the mess, your faith. You're looking to him. You're trusting in him. You're praying to him. You're asking of him. He notices your faith, not the mess. We're too quick to criticize people. We're too quick to see the mess. We're so quick to say, look at the mess they made of their lives. Instead of saying, wow, they're coming to church. Instead of saying, hey, they're starting to read their Bible. Wow, they're, they're beginning to pray. Will you stop seeing the mess in everybody's life? And will you start seeing the faith 
and praising God for it. I mean, God looks at the positive, not the negative, and he looks at what's good and not bad, and he's being grateful, not critical. And then you have this incredible pronouncement. Friend, your sins are forgiven you. We're never even told they met. Jesus calls the guy his friend. Because any person who believes in Jesus is a friend of Jesus. And any person who places their faith in Jesus is a friend of Jesus. Are you a friend of Jesus? Have you placed your faith in Jesus? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus? There is no friend like Jesus. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. What? No, not one. No, not one. None else could heal all our soul's diseases. Say it with me. No, not one. No, not one. Sing it. Jesus knows all about our struggles. He will guide till the day is done. There's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. See, Jesus wants to be your friend. He sees the faith. He sees your trust. He knows about the mess, but that's not what he's focused on. Let the Lord be your friend. And, and the guy's faith saves. This is saving faith. Seeing their faith, your sins are forgiven you. See, you're not saved until you've placed your faith in Jesus. It's not about coming to church. It's not about attending a service. It's not about doing good deeds. You're, you're not saved until you place your faith in Jesus. There's no other way to be saved. There's no other person who can save. Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men, say it with me, by which we must be saved. Now here's the amazing thing is that this guy didn't believe in Jesus' atoning death on the cross. Jesus hasn't even died for her sins yet. This is similar to the thief on the cross. He recognized who Jesus was and he placed his faith in who Jesus was. So the paralytic comes to faith in who Jesus truly is. Saving faith is in the person and power of Jesus Christ. That's where saving faith is. It's in the person and power of Jesus Christ. The Lord's such a gracious attitude. The religious leaders, such rotten attitudes. Verse 21, they don't have an aloha spirit. They have an aha spirit. It's all about accusing the Lord. Who, who is this man that speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? There is always, there are always going to be the haters, the doubters, and the legalists, and the whiners, and the complainers. There's always going to be those people who don't recognize the person or power of God among them. And we have this first charge of blasphemy, and it's a very serious charge. Blasphemy was defiling the holy name of God. It was speech directed against God. It was violating the majesty of Almighty God. It is a serious charge, and it is a silent charge. The first official rejection of Jesus happens in the heart's of men without a single word spoken. You may not say it, but you're thinking it, and God still hears it. They didn't say it. They were thinking it, 
And the Lord Jesus heard it. See, God hears our silent, cynical criticisms. He hears the rejection of his son. He hears the slander of a fellow believer. He hears the criticism of a church service. He hears into our hearts. Jesus gives an exclamation point to these guys in verse 22. He says, you dare question me? I will question you. Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? And he challenges them. He proclaims himself the Son of Man. But so that you may know, verse 24, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He proclaims himself the Son of Man. This beckons back to the messianic term used of him in the book of Daniel, chapter 7, verse 13 through 18. Where the Son of Man is the one who comes on the clouds and is presented before the Ancient of Days and is given an everlasting dominion and a kingdom which will never be destroyed. You know what he's saying? I am the Son of Man and I am the Son of the living God. I am God in the flesh. That's who he is. And that's what he's telling these guys. Son of Man is Jesus' favorite title used of himself. As he identifies with humanity, you and me, the people he's come to save the people he will die for, the people he has come to redeem and forgive. It's the first time this title is used in the book of Luke, which will be used some 25 times. It's the Son of Man is the only one who has authority to forgive sins. Come to the only one who can forgive you, the Son of Man. Call out to the only one who can forgive you, the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you have not done this yet. And God is putting this before you. He's stretching you. He's calling you. He's drawing you to himself. He's saying, you need to call out to me. Because I'm the only one that can save you. I'm the only one that died for you. At the end of the service, I will lead in a prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's your faith in God. Call out to him. Call out to him and ask him to save you. He commands the paralytic. I say to you, get up, pick up, stretcher, go home. It is the proof of Jesus' authority to forgive sins. The physical healing was evidence of spiritual healing. And this is the tension he leaves these men with. You must wrestle with who Jesus is. I am more than a teacher. I am more than a moral teacher. You must recognize that I am God and that forgiving sin is a work that only God can do. And Jesus is the only one that can forgive you of your sins. And some of you have such shame in your hearts and guilt. And and he's saying, would you let me take that? Would you let me? But God, you don't know what. Oh yeah, I know what you've done and it was pretty bad. But I don't see the mess. I'll see the faith. Let me forgive you. Let me save you. An aloha spirit comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye, and gets creative and makes it happen and embraces the friendship and forgiveness of God and forth. An aloha spirit leaves astounded and grateful for the goodness of God. Verse 25 and 26. Immediately he got up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, went home glorifying God. And they were all struck with astonishment, began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Listen, this is how you leave a church service. You leave here changed. 
Let God change you. His word has been preached. His word never returns void. God has spoken to specific things and areas of your life. Let him change you. Leave here changed. Changed immediately. Guy was never the same. Carried all the way from his home to this home. Hoisted up, lifted up on a roof. Lowered down through a hole. Laid right in front of Jesus. He didn't leave the way he came in. He walked out a changed man. Walk out of here a changed man. Walk out of here a changed woman. Don't leave this place the way you came in. Walk out different. Let God change you. Leave here. Leave here changed, but leave here grateful for the work that God is doing in other people's lives. They're struck with astonishment in verse 26. They're glorifying God and they're saying we've seen remarkable things. You know what? This is how we need to leave church. We need to leave church when we're gathered together in his name. Astonished and glorifying and fearing and testifying. That's how we need to leave church. Astonished at the goodness and power and authority of God. And he adjusts their attitudes. They're no longer upset about the dust and people cutting line and frustrated with the interruption and having to wait at Portillo's line because pastor went too long. Now they're, they're, they're astonished at the goodness of God. They have heard from God today. It's good. Because it's on the word of God that our souls are, are, are fed. Not some greasy cheeseburger. Although they are good. They're all struck with astonishment, began glorifying God. Be grateful for the work of God in people's lives. People will be baptized today. Decisions for Christ will be made today. Prodigals will return home today. New members join. You know, last week we had 17 people. People come to faith. Rejoice with those who rejoice, Romans 12, 15. And they're fearing. They're filled with this reverential awe of God's ability to change a life. God is real. He speaks right where I am. He changes lives still. We forget that sometimes. There's a humble recognition of the almighty authority of God and his power. And then they testify. And this is what they're saying. We have seen remarkable things today. Speak up and speak out and give glory to God. That's the Aloha Spirit. The Aloha Spirit, say it with me, comes with a receptive heart, not a critical eye gets creative and makes it happen, embraces the friendship and forgiveness of God, and leaves astounded and grateful for the goodness of God. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for being so critical at times. Forgive us, Lord God, for failing to see people come to Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that you don't notice so much the mess in our lives, but you notice the faith. And so in faith we come to you. Help our unbelief. Increase our faith, we pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just take a moment right now and talk to the Lord. Where has God stretched you? Where has God convicted you? Where has God encouraged you? Just talk to the Lord. Ask him for forgiveness with that critical spirit you've had.
ask him to get you out of your comfort zone and start seeing people truly place their faith in Jesus Christ. To invite people out, to talk to them about the Lord. Ask God to use you, to stretch you. You may be here this morning and you've never come to faith in Jesus. I mentioned earlier in the service, he is the only one that can forgive. You must come in faith. And you may say, Scott, I need God. I need forgiveness for what I've done. What do I, what do, I do? With your head bowed, your eyes closed, just call out to the Lord right now in the quietness of your heart. Just call out in faith, Lord Jesus, Please forgive me of all my sin. Please save me from all my sin. Thank you for dying for me. Dying on that cross. Thank you for loving me that much. Lord, I place my faith in you. There's nothing I can do to save me. Only you can save me. Forgive me, I pray, please. In Jesus' name, amen.